Good afternoon. I'm your host, Jesse Williams, with the Lone Star Collective. This is episode four. My guest for this episode is Sam Benavides with Mono Amiga in San Marcos. How I'm are doing you doing? Great. You're doing I'm great. I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome as well. It's we're going into a three day weekend. How do you feel about yeah. that? I'm so excited. My family's actually coming up to visit me this weekend. They're living in Laredo. I'm living in San Marcos. I have I've only seen them like once all summer, so I'm so excited for them to stay with me. Man, Laredo's quite a drive. That's yeah. Way down in the valley. Yeah, it's about three and a half hours, two and a half when my roommate drives. <laughs> Speed demon. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> well, what we're talking about today, my advice would be to not do that and have anything in the car because that, that makes you a target real quick. Really, really, really. Yeah, it actually happened um, one time. I didn't realize um, I had brought something back with me and there's a checkpoint coming from Laredo. Um, and I didn't realize until way past it. I was like, wow, we really lucked out. <laughs> I nice. Very lucky. Very. Good, good fortune with that. So we'll get started here. So describe Mono Amiga. Yeah. So Mono Amiga um, has been around for four years now. We started out as a immigrant rights organization that would organize deportation defense campaigns to keep our community members from facing deportation. And after so many of these campaigns, we realized that so many of our community members were actually being stopped for petty offenses that should have been citation eligible. And so they would be arrested, booked into the Hayes County Jail, and their mug shots and fingerprints would be taken and sent over to ICE. And so they would be entered into the jail to deportation pipeline. And so that's when Manomia decided we needed to start pushing for policies that keep our community out of the criminal legal system altogether. Um, that's when we start pushing for initiatives like site and release, site and divert. Um, and we are currently a 501c3 organization, but we do plan on creating a C4 spinoff that will be called the Caldwell Hayes Examiner. Um, because for the last four years, we've come to really realize how difficult it is to protect the policies that we push for. Um, recently, we had one council member who was, um, he quietly added a discussion on site and release to the agenda for council. Wow. Yeah. And so we found out last minute and um, it was just a discussion and possible um, action and um, possible, uh, what's the word, a direction to the city manager. So that language right there is really powerful, a direction to the city manager. What are they going to direct him to do? Was this, um, was this when we were first seeing decrim being pushed forward in San Marcos, like right before the pandemic hit? Is this when you're no, talking about or was this another meeting? This was um, about a, over a year after site and release was passed. He quietly, um, he was not, he was never in favor of site and release. He kind of ran on the fact that he was very against the ordinance. So for him to add a discussion on site and release to the agenda was very concerning because we felt that it was being attacked. Um, Understandable. Yeah. And so we only had about, we found out on a Thursday, I think, which was the day that I graduated and my family was in town. And so while they were here, I was just thinking about the fact that as soon as they leave, I need to work very quickly to, you know, mobilize community to the next city council meeting on Tuesday. Um, and so we got dozens of our community members to testify and speak in favor of site and release. And we were able to, you know, save the ordinance. 
Now, I, I had a question lined up, and I'm wondering if this was the event that it took place at. I heard about a little bit over a month ago, um, it was restated, that the chief of police was saying that the site and release program, he considered it a success in his opinion. I take it that was the meeting. Is that the story behind that or part of the story? Um, no, actually. So that actually happened about a month ago. This happened around May 10th, May 11th. Um, that what I said about um, council member Shane Scott adding a discussion to the agenda. And that was in early May. This um, with Chief Stanridge praising the site and release ordinance. Um, that was actually at one of the chief advisory panels that um, happened quarterly to discuss um, the site and release numbers. And we were there because um, earlier that day we were working with um, Pam Watts, who's the life partner of Jennifer Miller, who was killed by an off-duty um, San Marcos. Oh yes, uh, where well, we had the police officer that they, they found was that they found a drink in his car. He refused to do a breathalyzer. Um, ran a stop sign and ended up the, the accident wound up calling the, causing the death of the person in the other vehicle, which he struck. Exactly. Yes. He was given a citation um, and that was it. And so we've been working closely with Jennifer Miller's life partner, Pamela Watts, um, to, you know, get some accountability for this tragedy. And um, because as of now, no one has been held accountable for Jennifer's death. And so we earlier that day, we had tried to speak to someone at City Hall. No one was there to speak to us. And then we found that um, the chief had an advisory panel this evening and Pam was um, ready to go. So we we're at that meeting with Pam's um, poster, Justice for Jennifer. Um, and we just yes. sat and observed the meeting. And then after the meeting, she um, tried to speak to him. <clears throat> but so that's what we we're doing at the meeting. And um, during the meeting, he it was the first time that we ever heard him publicly praise the ordinance. And so that was wonderful news for us because um, for one, we just appreciate him appreciating the ordinance. And two, I think it would be very difficult for any elected official now to try and um, challenge the ordinance that the police chief is in favor of. Now, let's say from my understanding, Shane Scott had, before one of the meetings was going around saying, well, I think site and release is just garbage. This puts our community at danger. It's not helping us out. And we need to get the chief of police down here to testify on this. And he pretty much showed up was like, oh, no, this is working wonderfully. Um, it's freeing up resources for us to do other things. It's saving us money. We're seeing no change in the safety of the community. That hasn't gotten worse. So, yeah, this is pretty much a good deal right now. Yeah, I personally was exactly. kind of stoked when I heard about that. I was like, great. Because like you said, it, it becomes the thing where if anybody tries saying, well, this is just bad for us. And it's like even the chief of police who's looking over everything involved on the government end of enforcement is saying this has a positive impact in our community right now. So there's no, there's not the negative one that's being displayed by other elected officials. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, saying that y'all have worked in the past in both San Marcos and Hayes County overall on decriminalization pen and penalty reduction of cannabis possession. Can you elaborate on any other efforts y'all have done? Because I know it's been the site and release in San Marcos. Um, weren't y'all working on, on Hayes County as a whole? Yes. So um, site and release is just the first step. So site and release... Uh, we got passed in April of 2020, and um, that was after a year-long, probably over a year-long campaign. And I was just a volunteer with another nonprofit, Move Texas, when I met Mano Amiga and started working on site and release with them. Um, and so by the time I 
at that time we got the ordinance passed, I had already um, been started as a fellow with um, Move Texas and now with Mano Amiga. Um, but yeah, so that site and release alone um, makes it to where officers in San Marcos can no longer arrest people immediately for possession of petty offenses like possession of marijuana, possession of synthetic marijuana, um, theft up to $750, I believe. Well, but that's what the state allows. The ordinance only allows up to 350, theft of service up to 350, and all these petty offenses that people should not have their lives so needlessly disrupted over. Um, but that only means that they are not arrested on the spot. They're still given a citation. And so with that citation, they then have to show up to court around two weeks later or so. Um, and then it's there where they still show up to court, they still have their mugshot and fingerprints taken, and they still go through the system. So cite and divert is something that we have been pushing for at the county level. And with cite and divert, it's known as a Texas two-step together. So under cite and release, you would take that citation. And under cite and divert, you would take that citation instead of going through the legal system, showing up to court, getting your mugshot and fingerprints taken, you would meet with a prosecutor at the county level. And that prosecutor would then um, create some kind of diversion program for you. So it would either be paying restitution, doing community service, um, taking an educational course. And once you complete that program, then the charge um, was actually never found your record to begin with. And so this would keep our community members out of the legal system altogether. I think a, a term that some people might know this by when we say diversion program is deferred adjudication. That basically you go to talk to the prosecutor, you're not pleading guilty, but you're pleading, if I remember correctly, you plead no contest. And from there they say, yeah, um, do community service, um, pay this fee, pay these dues to go see this. Basically, you're seeing a probation officer at that point. And they designated time frame. And from my understanding with charges such as these with marijuana cases, it's typically one year, at which point they say, okay, you did everything you're supposed to do. We are now dismissing your case. And like you said, it, it's not on your record the same way. And then you can actually, the, the arrest is still there, but it gives availability for people to go and have the arrest removed as well. They can actually have that expunged. Mm -hmm. And um, I was actually surprised by what you were just saying with the, the ordinance with the city that they had changed the amounts on some of the, um, the other charges because they basically, they threw, was it like, there's seven different things the state allows site and release on. And another way of saying site and, release, site and release is basically like a speeding ticket. Speeding tickets are site and release programs that, um, yeah, you said the limit's like 700 something dollars. 750. 750. But the city reduced that to 350. 350. And, they, and I can see that they have the power to do so. And I can understand that that was done to please people because I was at the initial meeting when it was all being discussed. And that's what kept coming up was, well, if they steal these things, the are, lawnmower. Yeah, the lawnmower <laughs> and some tires. <laughs> or they're graffitiing some guy's brick wall. <laughs> and, and and I remember even the police chief was like, these people still, even with that, with the law in place, a lot of them aren't showing up. So if you're worried about no-shows, that's already happening. And if you probably have a diversion program, they'll more than likely show up because yeah. they're not going to jail. And it's strange, the city would actually make money that way. To me, at least in my mind, they make money that way. Because if you have somebody on a diversion program, they're having to pay dues. Right. They're having to give something to the community. And, and, and then on top of that, there's restitution, as you mentioned. Right. So it's, it's great to hear we're doing that. Is, who, is there anybody we would say at the county level 
right now that's been a, in opposition to that? Has like the Hayes County Sheriff been in opposition? Um, not that I'm aware of. No, actually. So, um, no, no one is in opposition to it. In fact, on July 8th of 2020, and I remember this date because it was my birthday, July 8th of 2020, we received the wonderful news that um, a bunch of uh, Hayes County um, arresting agencies, I think it was Kyle Police Department, Buda Police Department, the University Police Department, San Marcos Police Department, and Hayes County Sheriff's Office, um, all of them got together and decided that they would begin using site, making use of site and divert. And they um, basically decided that they would enact a site and divert program. So this was wonderful news. We're so excited for this, um, especially because we hadn't even really been pushing for it as hard at that time. You know, our wins, like the public defender's office and site and release, those are things that we were doing a lot of organizing and planning around. Site and divert was something we had always encouraged the county to do, but we weren't particularly, it was, it was news to us is basically what, I was, what I'm trying to say. Um, so that was, of, that was July of 2020. Come around mid-October, um, we realized that this program still has not been enacted. They had given it a, a starting date of September 1st. So it's mid-October now, and we realized that this, this program still has not been actually put into practice. And so on November 1st, we had our first protest for Sight and Divert, just basically calling on the county to follow through with their promise and enact the program that they announced that they would begin enacting. Um, and that I think we had another protest on, I think it was February 1st, um, and then another one on July 8th of 2021. So an entire year had passed and they still had not enacted the program that they said they would enact. And yeah, I've heard, I've heard about, as they say, feet dragging with this. So we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll come back to this discussion with our guest, Sam Benavides from Mono Amiga. This is the Lone Star Collective episode four. We'll be right back after this break. Bonnet is a proud sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective. Blue Dream Blue Bonnet carries cannabis art, gifts, accessories, and more for you and your friends. Whether it be a pair of cannabis-themed leggings or a rolling tray, Blue Dream carries a variety of products. Visit BlueDreamBB.com to see their inventory and check back regularly as new items are updated. You can also find them online with Facebook and Instagram under the handle at Blue Dream Blue Bonnet. You can visit them online again at BlueDreamBB.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's T-X-Canaco.com and click the contact tab. 
Oak Cliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oak Cliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls and CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams. back to the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. My guest today, Sam Benavides from Mano Amiga. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. That's great to hear. How are you, how, how are you doing with this heat we're having? I actually went to um, brunch this afternoon and thankfully, I was so thankful. We the we were in a little garden. I was a little nervous about it being outside, but there was like a wonderful like shade of just vines over us. Nice. So cracked me up with the heat. But yeah, otherwise it would have been real painful. Very nice. I know I went to pick up my son from school and getting out of the car and walking to the front of the building. I was like, oh, it is too hot for this. Oh, Lord, no. Yeah, it's it's multiple showers a day heat. Yes, it is. <laughs> we're in September. It is one of those things where the month hits and you're like, yeah, we're on the decline. You know, the, the temperature is going to be going down and fall is going to be hitting. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're also in one of those states where fall hits and you're like, I'm going to put on my sweater and I'm going to put on my scarf and you go outside and people are still in shorts and tank tops jogging yep. around. <laughs> yep. And it's I'm the- definitely one of those people where as soon as the weather hits like low 60s, it's time for boots and sweaters. It's like fall colors are coming. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were talking about uh, Hayes County, how they've been kind of delayed in getting this done. That's why I asked about if there's been any opposition by the sheriff, because it seems to be that he keeps saying over and over, well, I'm going to do this. We're going to get a a site and divert program in, but yet it never materializes. Our our DA in Hayes County said the same exact thing, and it's like we had to literally push the city to start enacting. It's like, like, well, we're waiting on our DA. It's like, that guy's never going to do it if you don't. Right, exactly. They've never... It was news to us in that press release where they announced that they would be enacting this program. I believe both of them embraced it and talked about why they why we needed this program and praised it. Um, and yeah, they're just it's funny. You you said, you know, they're dragging their feet. We actually say they're kicking the can down the road. And at our second protest, I think it was on February 1st, um, we actually I got a bunch of cans, like huge cans of like beans and um furniture beam into the mount and painted site and diverts on them and so at one of our protests we were just kicking a bunch of cans around that said site and divert on them that's, yeah that's we, pretty we have clever of, yeah jordan is a very very 
creative person. And on the one year anniversary on July 8th of 2021, uh, we had an even better protest. And that was that was one year, the one year anniversary of when they said they would um, begin enacting it. Um, we actually got a, a birthday cake and delivered it to District Attorney West now to remind him the promise that he made a year ago. Um, and so we had a little birthday hats and a birthday banner and not so happy birthday. Well, what is this about? Happy birthday on you not getting this done. Thanks a lot. Here's a cake. That's happy. A- it, our message was a lot of them. An unhappy birthday to a failed promise. And um, fun fact, it was actually my birthday that day. So then we went outside oh, and man. ate the cake for my birthday. <laughs> well, at least the cake didn't go to waste because no right. telling if that guy was really going to eat it. Right. She's been like, hey, have a slice. Let's get a video of you, you know, eating a slice of this cake we gave you. We want to make sure it doesn't go to waste. <laughs> Yeah, we he actually very conveniently was not in the office that day, which we expected after having um, announced publicly that we were having that protest. Don't don't feel bad. We, I was part of a veterans event in 2019 at the legislature where we were supposed to deliver a wreath to Dan Patrick. And we had this called in. We told them we were bringing this in. And then conveniently that day they told us, oh, well, that thing is obviously over $50. Like what what decorative wreath? For like right. you know, buy for somebody isn't over 50 bucks. Well, we can't take that because there's rules against donations during legislative sessions. So, oh no. And they pretty much are trying to have us march around the Capitol. So, well, you can't put that here and you can't put that there. And at least the kind of, I guess, the sort of one up I got out of it was that I got to walk across the Senate chamber up in the, the, gal- oh. the gallery, the gallery <laughs> with this giant thing in my hands just like up above my head because I had to keep it from hitting chairs, yeah. keep the legs it is attached to from hitting chairs. And just everybody on the floor was like looking up and staring at me walking around with this thing. It says 22 veterans a day. And it just the look on Dan Patrick's face, that that to me alone was worth it right there. I love that. So initially, and saying this is why we're, we're even having this discussion, there's a film festival going on, uh, Lost River Film Festival, correct? Yeah, yeah, we will be, it will be taking place, um, it's actually our fifth annual Lost River Film Festival, and it'll be taking place... Thursday, September 9th through Sunday, September 12th. And we will be having screenings in both Lockhart, um, which will have our screenings at a over 100-year-old movie theater, um, as well as screenings in San Marcos at the public library. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited for that. Is this, you don't mind me asking, the public library, is this being done outside or inside? Because I've heard of someone being done outside at times. I believe we're going to be having it inside. Um, yeah, and our entire schedule, which includes the dates, place, and time for each screening, as well as um, short summaries of each film, can be found at the Lost River Film Fest website. Awesome. I was going to ask, because um, you know what films are going to be included in the lineup for the decriminalization block? I'll actually yeah. bring yeah, it up. So, I'm sorry? Go ahead. Yeah, so we will be having um, several different blocks. There's um, one called, oh, the horror, which is just a bunch of short horror films, and um, and different blog that explores, um, I think it's Iranian women, filmmakers, um, another liberation block. And we will also be having one called um, the Cannabis Decriminalization Block. And yes. this will include three. Yes. Um, this will be on Saturday, September 11th at 530 at the San Marcos Public Library. It is free and open to the public. And we'll be having three Um, short films. And the first one is going to be Green Revolution, which shows interviews with cultivators, policymakers, and scientists that reveals the impeding 
global implica implication of the cannabis industry. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is called Legalized Texas, Making the Case for Cannabis. Um, it was filmed, the first one was filmed in San Antonio and the second one, it was filmed in both Texas and Colorado. And it explores uh, Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez's visit to, the Colo to Colorado to document the benefits of legal cannabis, uh, not just for entrepreneurs, but as well as for um, military veterans and patients as well. And the third and final screening is a short film that was filmed in California called Not Just Another Day. And it explores the story of Lionel Tate, who was an, an, an aspiring chef who was arrested for possession of cannabis in 2015. And this led to him facing felony charges, um, homelessness and crippling debt. And so it explores his struggle with this experience. Um, and so that I think is about an hour and 10 minutes total. And then following the, these screenings, we'll be having a cannabis decriminaliza decriminalization panel discussion that will include Representative Aaron Zwiener, State Representative Aaron Zwiener, State Senator Roland Gutierrez, who's featured in Legalized Texas, as well as a few of the filmmakers um, of these films. And we may be reaching out to local officials as well. Nice. That's that's. I'm, I didn't realize there was a panel that was going to be taking place as well with with Zwiener and Gutierrez. Um, yeah. Very, very, very. I want to say very knowledgeable of the two. I know the two of them. We have had discussions with both of them. Both of them are big advocates in this space. In fact, uh, I know Gutierrez has his own bill in the Senate, and Representative Zwiener had a we got, we're calling them now penalty reduction bills. At least for us, the advocates that are going to the Capitol, because an issue we started running into is we're seeing that when we call it decriminalization. Like well, there's a lot of people who are pushing for legalization, but the bill itself isn't a legalization bill. And we're seeing people in the Senate equate decrim to meaning legal. And it's like, there's nothing we're making legal about it. We're just changing the penalty for it because we think the penalty is absurd for what it is. Right. And we'd like to eventually be able to get, as I say, to the position where even with the prohibitionist perception that if you want to take their argument of this is a dangerous, horrible substance, it's addicting and ruins your life, who's better suited to take care of this then? The prison system or medical health professionals? And it seems to be we're putting people in prison just to get them to medical health professionals. And our prison system shouldn't be the number one medical health program for people in the state. Right. So it's, yeah. I'm glad that we're, we're working towards that and those two will be there. And you know, he says some of the filmmakers, because obviously they've, they've got a motivation and they've got a drive for why they wanted to film this and produce it, edit it, make sound for it and talk to these people and get this out to others. Right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm really I'm really hoping that we can get some city officials on there too, or county officials to take part in it as well. I think it would be nice to have West Mal. And, <laughs> and, I say, and I say that because right before COVID hit, there was a panel done in Austin where they asked advocates and they had uh, DA, I believe her name was, I want to say Moore. I, I'm so bad. I don't remember her name. I know Gar D Garza is the new DA in Austin, right. but the, per the previous person came on and it was like, great, we have a county official who can talk to why people are behaving the way they're behaving in government positions about this. And it could provide some insight as to why things aren't changing or they're even moving at the pace they're moving with a site and divert program. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited because um, so coming fresh from our public defender office victory last Tuesday, um, we immediately started discussing what's next. And for us, that is cannabis decriminalization um, uh, in San Marcos. And, you know, it's just time. And so we're really excited to get um, this will be really like our first event um, regarding this campaign to get people um, a lot of the community just come out and see the benefits of decriminalizing this stuff, see not only the benefits, but the, the harm that that criminalizing it does and causes. Um, and so we're, I'm so excited. I'm, we have been um, discussing our strategy, and I believe we're going to go ahead and go with a initiative at the city level. Um, so... That requires us to get a lot of signatures. I believe um, we need to get like 4% of registered voters in San Marcos. And so that is about 4,000 signatures that we'll be needing to get for that. Okay, that sounds great. We're going to wrap up this segment and go to a sponsor break real quick. Our guest, Sam Benavides with Mono Amiga. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This is the Lone Star Collective Episode 4. We'll be right back. Bonnet is a proud sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective. Blue Dream Blue Bonnet carries cannabis art, gifts, accessories, and more for you and your friends. Whether it be a pair of cannabis-themed leggings or a rolling tray, Blue Dream carries a variety of products. Visit bluedreambb.com to see their inventory and check back regularly as new items are updated. You can also find them online with Facebook and Instagram under the handle at bluedreambluebonnet. You can visit them online again at bluedreambb.com. You know it would be cool if your business was mentioned on a podcast several times an episode. Well, you could have a slot right here on the Lone Star Collective just like the one I'm doing right now. Show your community that your business supports changes to social welfare regarding cannabis in Texas. Inform our audience that you are a supporter of independent journalism and the activism work we put in while informing them about your business. Let your customers know where you are located and what you offer the community. For more information on getting your business mentioned on Lone Star Collective, visit TexasCanaco.com. That's T-X-C-A-N-A-C-O.com. And click the Contact tab. Oakcliff Cultivators is a sponsor of Texas Cannabis Collective and Lone Star Collective Podcast. Oakcliff focuses on quality assurance with their hemp products while providing customer service to help you discover cannabinoids to meet your needs. Their product line includes hemp flower pre-rolls, CBG tinctures, edibles, Delta 8, and merch. For more information on their products, quality, or to shop online today, visit oakcliffcultivators.com or contact them at info at oakcliffcultivators.com. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective Podcast, distributed on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and much more, to give Texans information regarding policy, industry, and culture. Here is this week's host, Jesse Williams. I don't gotta get 
yes, you're always there for me. So I never see to doubt. I think you like seeing me freak out. Good night, stress. See you in the morning. Welcome back to the Lone Star Collective podcast, episode four. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. I'm joined today by guest Sam Benavides. Welcome back, Sam. Hi. This has been quite the interview. This is rather enjoyable. I'm actually, and I'm actually learning stuff. I thought I knew a lot about what was going on, and even I'm learning stuff here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm learning things as well. So um, we were talking about what y'all are looking forward to the future a little bit. Is there anything else that Mono Amigo is going to be looking at with working on? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we're going to start our kind of kick off our cannabis decriminalization decriminalization kind of a mouthful um campaign on saturday september 11th with our uh cannabis decrim screening um block it'll be at 5 30 at the san monaco's public library following the screening we will have the panel discussion with state senator roland gutierrez and state representative uh aaron zwiener and i'm really excited for that panel discussion i'm hoping we can get some city officials on there And as I was saying, the way that we plan on going about this campaign as of right now is via a ballot initiative. And so basically we'll get, um, I think with the city, we need to get 4% of the 41,000 people registered to vote. So um, so we need to get um, about 4,000 signatures and then we will get it on the ballot um, and hopefully some articles will vote in favor. So yeah, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited, especially, um, I just graduated from Texas State, so I really miss being on campus, especially because my last year and a half were spent online. So I'm so excited to get back on campus and get those signatures. If I remember correctly, um, at the county level, typically, if it wasn't through a ballot initiative for the county, the county commissioners, the commissioner court would take care of that, correct? Like they would vote on it. I know Ruben Becerra is the county judge, which is basically is one of the commissioner roles. Right. But it would take, it would typically take him and the others voting on that to pr- to move this forward, correct? Yeah, I really don't know what the process is like at the county level. Uh, we're going to do it through the city. I really don't know what the how we would go about doing it. At the I, see, I didn't even realize. I see, and I wondered. I was like, I was kind of surprised. Like, really, they um they allow this at the county level? And hey, he's okay. I was like, if it's doable, let's do it. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're doing it at the city level because I don't know, I'm not really sure what the process would be like at the county level. Um, we're going to start at the city level and hopefully take it countywide if, if possible. I know that countywide, I remember when the hemp bill first went in that there was talk about between DAs of, do we test this? Do we do we spend the money on testing to determine is this hemp or legal hemp or illegal marijuana? And West Mal had come forward going, well, I'm still going to do these labs. We're still going to prosecute as if it's what it is and we'll sort it out in court. And wow. I think I had talked to Ruben at one point about what was going on at the county level, about like who who all was on board. And it seemed to be we had a couple of holdouts for people to go, you know, let's the county shouldn't waste money on this. And I, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but I remember seeing one of the names for a county commissioner and going, I've seen that name before. And then I found out the person had like a big vested interest in like big, big agriculture's hemp program. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, I... I could kind of see what's going on here. It just yeah. it was one of those things that's like, this isn't a coincidence that this is going this way. Something's, right. something's taking place. Somebody has some alternate interest other than what 
the constituents that voted them in this pro- might be because there's there's hemp farms out in Dripping Springs. There's several out that way yeah. that I personally know of. I know um, a group called Tejas Hemp is out there, and I imagine that they probably want Hayes County to move towards these type of actions y'all are working on. Yeah, yeah, I'd really hope so. I, I'm honestly not really familiar with any of the farms, but yeah, it'd be so incredible to work with them. Um, where can more where can people find more information about Mono Amiga? Let's get y'all's website um, and social stuff out there. Yeah, so our website is monoamigasm.org. Our Twitter and Facebook are the same thing, just monoamigasm. And our Instagram is monoamigasmtx. Awesome. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of giggled when I typed it in and I, I glanced over at the web address in my browser and I, I said in my head, mono amigasm. Oh my gosh. I hear that all the time. I'm like, well, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be, I'm like, that'll be easy enough to remember mono, but it's monoamigasm.org. Make that, yep. that noted right there. And there's an article, and we put an article up as well at the Texas Cannabis, Cannabis Collective about this, TXCANNACO.com. And the title, we titled it Mono Amiga to Hold Film Festival Block on Cannabis Decriminalization. So we, we, we are wanting people to show up in it and see this. And I imagine with this panel, there's probably going to be some time to, to take questions. That's usually a thing I know most of these panels do at the end. Right. So I, I tell people, if you're really interested, show up, support these filmmakers, and you might even get to see the panel and get to ask a question. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add in about Mono Amiga, Sam? Um, I guess I just want to emphasize I'm truly, I'm really, really excited for this campaign to really get to work. And um, not only is it going to be, you know, feel really good to win and make that impact on our community, but, you know, just to connect as a community, get together and, you know, discuss this issue. I'm really excited to just connect with others. Um, and I just want people to know that this is our, our really like our second big win. And it, it, it all comes from the community. It all comes from grassroots organizing. And I want people to realize that when we come together and we show up and we speak out, we really, really have the power to change things. And um Oh, I'm going to say, it's great that you are going to change things. And that's what we need. We need change to be happening in San Marcos and Hayes County. Um, I'm yeah, and I guess one last thing. And one last um, thing. Go for it. It's, it's your time. It's your it's your yeah. time to shine. Yeah, we really, um, we want to reach out and have people reach out to us. People who have been directly impacted by the criminalization of marijuana. People have people who have gone through the system or gotten a citation for it, been impacted in any way. Maybe they have family members who it's impacted. We really believe that those people have really real skin in the game and their stories are powerful and um, they can really, really have a real impact on this campaign. Let's, that's, I'm glad that you're, you're taking that in. You're taking the input. It's, it's very valuable to get feedback from your community, especially the ones being impacted because that's what they are. They're the ones, in, they're the ones having to go through this mess. Right, exactly. And y'all want to be there to help them and you get it directly from the source. So I, I thank you for, for coming on. Mono Amiga SM.org. Right. Everybody can go check out that website. Find out more information about them, the film festival, any questions you may have. If you're wanting to contact them, go there. That's how you get a hold of Mono Amiga in San Marcos, Texas. I thank our guest, Sam Benavides. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a really good, we pre- good time. Appreciate you showing up, doing this. This is the Lone Star Collective. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. This was episode four. Everybody have a great and wonderful weekend.